Welcome to episode 201 of Stage Really. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stage Really is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. You know, I know that a lot of people listen to Stage Worthy by going to the website. If you're one of those people, maybe you saw a post on Twitter or Facebook and went to the Stage Worthy site to listen to an episode. But did you know that you can easily subscribe to Stage Worthy? You can do that by searching for Stage Worthy on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and clicking on the handy subscribe button. And if you subscribe, let me know. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line directly, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PhilRickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is Kendra Jones. Kendra is a Winnipeg-born, Toronto-based artist whose work mingles between theatrical performance and performance art. We spoke on the heels of her company, Impel Theatre's presentation of I'm Alvolio at this summer's Toronto Fringe. But I'm Alvolio was was good in that. In it was that good. Space? Yeah, yeah it was good. the perfect. Like we um, we kind of repositioned the show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know Tim's work. I don't know the show. Um, no. So Tim Crouch is an amazing, amazing, brilliant uh, English playwright. Mm-hmm. He's considered to be like the uh, the avant garde of mm-hmm. of European theater. He's yeah. brilliant. Um, and so that show he had first actually written. Um, it was commissioned by the Brighton Festival, and they performed it for students in a school, hmm. like in a school gymnasium. Right. And it's in his production. It's positioned as like Malvolio coming straight out of like an RSC production mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. the end of the RSC production. Right. And the actor is at the end of the play, so like beaten up, what have you, right. wearing his like long johns, and then he changes to get ready to do the play again. So by the end, he's put together mm-hmm. like you would see at the top of a of a play. Sure. Um, and the, and interaction and stuff like that. And so then ours, we, we repositioned it because we're performing for adults, of course. Um, and so put, we wanted it in a school to make the adults feel like children and Mm -hmm. students. Um, and then moved, uh, moved all of that sort of thing into that space and and tried to make the adults feel as much like kids as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we like, we gave them a handout at the beginning with like questions about the play and we told them we have a special guest speaker and we (laughs) talked about like how to behave in class Mm -hmm. and all of that and handed out pencils and I scolded them if they didn't bring one and all that sort of thing. So then, then they went into the room and they were really positioned as kids. Right. Um, Hmm. Which in, in a way, like the reason I wanted to do that, it was kind of a comment on all the education cuts that Mm -hmm. Ford's been making and how, we don't we, he wanted to not teach kids about consent and things like that mm-hmm. and that's what the play's about sure. right okay. so, yeah. yeah 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 so that's kind of the the little twist that we did mm, that's neat yeah so I was looking at your website yeah uh, a lot of times these, these days people come to me with shows and I'm like oh yeah yeah but what I really like I, I also like to not like to talk to people who don't have shows yeah you know um, because everybody I, I always feel like Sometimes I feel like talking about the show is the boring part. Yes, we have to. Yeah. Do this, but let's talk about some interesting <laughs> yeah. stuff like you. Um, but you are a, a, a director, writer, and dramaturg. Yeah. Um, was that your aspiration, like starting out? Was that what you wanted to do when you were That's a young a funny girl? <laughs> when you were a young person trying to figure out what you wanted to do, 
was writer in there was director in there or like what was what drew you to this world you know what's funny is that i trained as a dancer i went okay. to dance school like like i was gonna go be a backup dancer for janet jackson like that like legit or like on broadway most yeah. of my friends became broadway dancers okay. so All some right. of them are still there right um and so that's where i started mm-hmm. and then i kind of got i had a serious injury when i was about 16 mm-hmm. And I'd always been, like, really literary, mm. like a nerdy, nerdy kind okay. of literary kid. And, like, in high school, I'd write, like, director's notebooks and stuff for class as my assignment mm-hmm. and, like, loved to read plays and, like, read so much Tom Stoppard when I was 16. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Strange kid. <laughs> and so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I... Uh, I had a serious injury. I started to think, like, I don't know if I like the precariousness of this career. <laughs> Seems yeah. like it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, kept dancing and kept, like, I got offered jobs and stuff when I was, like, right out of high school. Mm-hmm. And then I would, like, find reasons not to do them. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, yeah. really great, like, a cruise ship job, mm-hmm. like, bags of money, tax-free, go live in the Mediterranean on a ship for nine months. And I would just be like, well. And like find a reason not to do it. Okay. Okay. And I started to know, like, for real, I didn't care when my dance partner booked his first Broadway show Mm -hmm. and I didn't feel at all jealous. Oh shit. And I like I should have, right? Because he booked his show and I was like, okay, I'm with you. Like, and I just was like, cool for him. And I was like, okay, this is a sign. Yeah, that tells you something. That (laughs) tells you something. This is not what I'm supposed to do. So um so I went to um, theater school, but mm-hmm. not intentionally. Like, I went to the University of Winnipeg. So you accidentally went to theater school? I accidentally went to theater school. <laughs> so, <laughs> I really, really did. Mm-hmm. And yet, which is so funny, because if I go back, like, I was moving a couple of years ago when I moved here, and I found all these notebooks from when I was, like, 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And I, like, obviously, my brain was already in that place, and I didn't even know it. Like, when you're, I was a kid... You were already in a theater school place? Or? Yeah, I okay. totally was. Like, mm. I was making director's notebooks. When we were kids, mm. we would make sets out of, like, old pieces of drywall left over from renovations, mm-hmm. and I would, like, direct my siblings in, like, a karaoke version of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> and, like, like, you name it. Like, right. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. what I was doing, but I was so not in tune with that, because I was going to be a dancer, and right. I was that. And Where did the dance trajectory start for you? Was that something that you wanted to do? Did somebody start you on that, or...? I I always did it. I started okay. tap dancing when I was two and a half. Like taking classes or you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, one of my mom's dear, dear friends was an amazing dance teacher. And uh, and I was a very hyperactive <laughs> two-year-old. You're not the first person to come in here who said, I was really hyper and my parents put me in a dance. Yeah. yeah. No, because they were like, she needs to find a way to make noise and run awesome in this energy. Mm-hmm. So I started, I was like two and a half. I was the tiniest kid. They couldn't even find tap shoes. My mom had to buy like hard sole shoes and then get the shoemaker to put like little pieces of metal on mm-hmm. them. Like legitimately tiny, tiny child. Um, and so I always did that. And I also mm-hmm. did baton twirling when I was okay. really small. Mm-hmm. And I was like a national champion when I was really little and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so then we, I did dance to go along with that, right? Because right? it's like rhythmic gymnastics, yeah. right? The same sort of thing. And then I would start... I was around 12 or 13 and like getting to that point where they're like, hey, you're going to go to the Worlds. And I was like, I just want to go to the dance class part. Like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's like figure skaters who decide they love ballet yes. more, right? Like, same right, right. thing. Yeah. Same thing. So so then I just started dancing full on and I had like wonderful, wonderful teachers. But a lot of my favorite teachers mm. were musical theater performers. Okay. Like, I was really incredibly, incredibly blessed to be taught by some of the best musical theater performers in Canada mm. as a child. Like, Jen Lyon was my teacher when I was like eight years old. <laughs> Kim Rampersad was my teacher. I'm not allowed to say how old I was. Okay. (laughs) It's interesting to think about how, because I think one of the things 
coming from the performance world, forgetting about the fact that there's two dance trajectories. There's the performance trajectory yeah. and the and the competition trajectory. Which Did is, that too. <laughs> which is like like what you were saying that like like you're like, all right, now you have to go compete and you were like, no. Yeah, I didn't want to compete baton anymore, but then mm. I went to dance school and I become this like hyper competitive oh, dancer. Shit. Yeah. I was I was on like Canadian national tap team and I went to the world championships. All right. like, yeah. And so I was like really into whatever wherever yeah. I managed to mm-hmm. be. But so then yeah, so all of that and then I ended up I went to the University of Winnipeg when I decided I didn't need to be a dancer anymore. Mm-hmm. Um and just did a first year theater class because I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. I like to read plays and like didn't really think too much about it. I probably thought I was going to go study English literature right. like at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and because I'd waited a year, I then in this that summer session, they were offering the second year theater class in the spring. Okay. And one of my dear friends had quit Sheridan because she decided she also didn't want to be a musical mm-hmm. theater performer anymore. Also a director now. Yes. Um, yeah. But she had come back and she was like, hey, I'm going to do the second year so that I can catch up on Beyond Pace. You want to do it with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do the second year course. Um, and the second year prof is to this day, one of my favorite humans on this planet. Mm-hmm. He's probably the reason I make theater. Okay. Like wow. 10 out of 10. Per mm. Brask, he's an amazing, amazing, amazing human. Mm. Um, brilliant director, amazing writer, the, probably the best dramaturge I've ever encountered. Mm. Um, and just like so fun and like irreverent. And to me, that was such a revelation, right? Because yeah. I'd come from like theater but musical theater where Mm -hmm. like if you do a Jerome Robbins show you get the choreography and they hand it to you and they say do this Mm -hmm. right like you're doing the notation you're not creating and so then I got into his class and it was everything was like oh I don't know do something else oh you don't like that part cut it and I was like Uh. brain explode (laughs) legitimately it's probably because of his class Mm -hmm. and then he ended up mentoring me through my whole undergrad and we still stay in touch. Mm-hmm. She's like very recently retired from the uh, University of Winnipeg. But you went to to that into that school uh, into in a performance track, or well, you don't have to declare okay. until third year. So okay. I did that. So you didn't have to. You you were in in a safe zone where you could. I was in anything. such a safe yeah, zone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I legitimately I probably was going to do an English lit degree, and then I ended up in this space, and I read a lot of philosophy and basically had a minor in philosophy and then a major in theater. Wow. Again, but performance, yeah. Yes. Again, accidentally went to theater school. I really yeah. did accidentally go to theater school. <laughs> like I really did not intend to be there, and yet. It's the perfect place. And did was did you discover a love of directing there or of writing or both? Um, a little bit of both. Again, his class, he had us write our monologues mm-hmm. as opposed to find them. Um, and so I like it just kind of planted a little mm-hmm. seed in the back of my head. Um, and I always love the idea of creating work based on other stuff. Yeah. Um, and there's a really wonderful prof there who teaches devising. Mm-hmm. Um, although that word was not thrown around but yeah yeah that was that's really what she teaches um and but i never really i didn't direct in university Mm. at all i acted Mm. um and then i tried for a little while to be an actor and a wonderful director who's from here she lives in winnipeg now um hope mcintyre brilliant brilliant (laughs) writer and director um i had auditioned for her a lot and she would she'd always love my work and then not cast me and i was like so one day i was like can i take you for coffee like i really need to understand <laughs> like what am i doing is it yeah. like a type thing is it like what is mm. it what is this thing and she's like i think you're actually a director and i was like oh oh okay and okay. so <laughs> so then she was like do you want to assist me on this show and that was for she does this great festival that focuses on uh women writers mm-hmm. So I assistant directed her on that. It was a piece of new writing. And I went through that whole process and then I was like, oh, 
yeah, you're right. Mm. I like this so much more. <laughs> it's and it, it's funny again because it's the things that my brain had always been doing. Mm-hmm. And as an actor, I was probably a terrible, like awful to deal with actor because my brain had so many more ideas about mm. the play, which right. to, I imagine to most directors is like, okay, shut up. That's not your job. <laughs> maybe it's the right director. It's great. But to yeah, a but lot to of directors, directors, they'd be like, yeah. okay, go sit down now. You said something about, about um, you had to write your monologue, not mm-hmm. find it. Yeah. And that's an important distinction, I think. And because I think that there's a lot of, I know there's a lot of courses you can take where it's like, find your solo shower oh. weekend <laughs> yeah, sort of yeah. thing, you know? Um, was that was that something that, that this teacher was pushing against, or it was just what they did is write your monologue? Or? I th- he's a writer, mm-hmm. and I think he just wanted to take us through that process, mm-hmm. to be totally honest. Like, mm-hmm. everyone else who did second year had to, like, go find a monologue in the library and mm-hmm. do that monologue. and. Right. He was like, I don't want to listen to the same Judith Thompson monologue 70 yeah, times, yeah, so why don't yeah. you guys write something interesting? You're interesting humans. Which is, so. a, which is actually a huge, like, that's, like, a huge thing to have people yeah. do is to, like, write a monologue to your strengths. Like, really. It wasn't right? even to your strengths. No, like, but he, you would yeah. never kind of would. Oh, though. of course. You would yeah. totally gravitate. Yeah. Like, what's super funny is that, like, my entire aesthetic now as a director was completely encapsulated in that monologue, which, of course, I had no idea, right? Like, I use right. sound a lot, mm. like, as a character. And mm. and I use, like, so many things mm. and, uh, and, like, play with ideas of, like, nostalgia and what the audience is experiencing mm. and stuff. And it was all in that monologue, wow. but not at all. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was doing? I was like, you know, 19 and like, yeah. mm, I'm going to do this course. Yeah, I guess I'm a theater student. <laughs> <laughs> when you came out of theater school. Yeah. Suddenly realizing that you're a director. <laughs> yes. Um, did you finish? Like, did you go into the directing stream or did you like do I, two years and, and sort of stop no, before so you finished? No, so there is a directing stream now at U of W, but mm. there wasn't at the time. Mm. Um, so I did the four-year honors course course Mm -hmm. so I graduated the performance stream um but then they have this amazing ability to do special studies Mm -hmm. so I did a lot of special studies where I just wrote my own course outline and went with Pear the great mentor and was like hey I want to really want to dig into existentialism Mm -hmm. and why it works better in the theater than in practice Mm -hmm. and I really want to dig into you know surrealism and I was like all this so I wrote myself course outlines I think I did three special studies which were basically just me trying to figure myself out and where I sat in this like world of things um because I also always knew or always it's once I realized this is what I do was make theater Mm -hmm. I also thought it was really important to write about your practice Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's been a really big part of me and who I am Mm -hmm. as a director and creator is that I also on basically everything, I will at the very least write a blog about it, mm. if not um, publish a paper. Like, I've right. published papers about most of my shows that I've created. Mm. Um, and I think it's really important because, at the you know, when you're sitting there in university and you're like, oh, well, we read these guys, but who didn't write down what they did, yes. right? Like, yeah, is the yeah, reason yeah. that we're studying this person or that person just mm. because they're the ones who thought to write it down? <laughs> so I was yeah. like, you know, a little mm. bit of hubris. I was like, well, I'm a young female from the middle of Canada. I'm going to write all my stuff down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and it, you know, because I think it makes a difference. And it's mm. been the coolest thing ever is this, earlier this year, mm. I got an email from a student in Hong Kong who was studying 448 psychosis mm. and reached out to me to interview me up for a paper that she was writing for her year 12 mm. thesis um, to graduate for theater. 
And in she Hong discovered Kong. you because of what you wrote? I guess because okay, I wow. blog stuff and yeah. it's all out there. Hmm. So I was like, how freaking cool is that? Yeah. Like the coolest, coolest thing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. And yeah, like if, if you know, if some young theater maker or aspiring theater maker in Hong Kong can find me writing about my production and think, yeah. hey, that sounds really cool. I want to talk to that person. Like what better use of the internet? I love living <laughs> in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes a dystopian future right now, but yeah. like the techn- right. technologically, <laughs> I kind of like living in the future. Yeah, yeah. there's so many magical things about there's it. So many magical things in amongst the dystopia. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> but you also, I, I see you, you spent some time at RADA. I did, yeah. So, Did you go to RADA for directing or what did you... I did a very, very cool course at RADA. So um, I always knew I wanted a master's degree because I'm that kind of nerd. Um, <laughs> no, I legitimately, when I was like 12, if you'd asked me what I was going to do, I would have said master's degree. And what? Don't know yet, but I will have one. <laughs> <laughs> Same with a PhD. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, I always knew I wanted to, but I also thought I couldn't go immediately after undergrad because I felt like I needed something to say. Okay. I didn't want to just go in and, you know, not really have anything to say. Sure. So I practiced for a little while. I made work. I worked with some amazing companies devising and directing and mm. assistant directing under some really fabulous directors. Um, and so then I went to RADA to do a course called Text and Performance. Okay. Um, and so it's an MA course. Um, and it's really cool because it essentially it's two master's degrees at once because you do uh, the academic side where you're like purely just like reading and analyzing mm-hmm. and studying contemporary performance and studying theories of performance mm-hmm. and how they play out into the real world and all like so many theater practices from all over the world and studying and studying and studying. And then concurrent to that, <laughs> you're also um, in the studio, you're reading stuff, you're putting up a scene mm. every two days, you're creating uh, theatrical responses to mm. a body of work, wow. you're directing scenes, you're um, studying how to direct Chekhov, you're doing voice class, you're mm. doing movement study, like mm. all of that. So it's literally like two MAs at once. Yeah. Um, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and what's really cool is that um, the people on that course all have such varying practices. So like a number of us were directors, but there mm. were a lot of playwrights, mm. a lot of playwrights, um, and like a theater critic um, and a producer mm. and people who have all sorts of different um, focuses on their practice. Yeah. Um, and then we all kind of came together and learned so much from each other as much as we did from the material mm. and the tutors and everything. Mm. So it was it was a super, super cool course. Hmm. Um, not easy. No. <laughs> not easy at all. Um, but incredibly, incredibly rewarding. And it like, actually, there's a quote from me on the Rada website that basically says like, this course helped me figure out who I am as an artist. Like I can articulate who I am as an Mm. artist because of this course. Um, yeah. And that's not an exaggeration. No, (laughs) I think before that I kind of knew, but like that made me really solidified what I do and what I care about and Mm. why I think we should bother with this at all. (laughs) And somewhere in there, you're still, you're still writing. Yeah. 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 And and I've noticed there's a few things on your on your website that you've written. Yeah. Um where, are there particular topics that you're drawn to as a writer? Um, well, the funny thing is, is I don't even like to call myself a writer. I, I finally, like, grudgingly did when I got my first commission for an adaptation. Uh-huh. I was like, I guess I'm a writer. I, guess. Um, I always find that there's, like, there, that some people have difficulty calling themselves a writer, like, getting to the point where they're willing to say I'm a writer. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. Um, I think it's because my my entire idea of creating performance texts or writing, as, <laughs> as you do, yes. um, 
is kind of like the idea of a found poem. Mm. So a lot of my work um, is kind of pieced together from other things. Um, so, uh, for example, the I have a one-woman show called Dear Mama. Mm-hmm. Um, and it um, it's essentially a found poem. So the idea was based around the fact that my little sister and I used to watch a gypsy, like, mm-hmm. when we were way too young to watch gypsy. Oh, sometimes gypsy? <laughs> sometimes okay, gypsy, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 at, like, nine. Uh, the a one lot. with the stripper, yeah. Yeah, yeah on repeat, yeah. Okay, a lot. Yeah. We watched okay. a lot of gypsy. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and how weird that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the uh, growing up in in a part of the world that where gender is so codified mm-hmm. and the performance of gender is really codified. Um, and I have a daughter, um, mm-hmm. and when I first created that show she was probably about seven Mm -hmm. and so really just starting to understand that there were gender boundaries Mm because she'd never she we just didn't it wasn't a thing like she did what she wanted to do she Mm -hmm. wanted to wear a shirt with a truck on it and a tutu and then go jump off a play structure awesome let's go do that (laughs) you know um so we she never had that and so she was starting to come into that space where some of her friends were really like performing gender um, and it was at the same time that shows like Toddlers and Tiaras mm-hmm. were on TV mm-hmm. and John and Kate Plus 8 and this idea of these kids who mm-hmm. were always performing. Yeah. Um, and so I created a show that takes ideas from Gypsy's life, real things that I heard children say on like Toddlers and Tiaras mm-hmm. or Dance Moms and stuff like that. And then I made a show out of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like I, I don't think I wrote five words in that play. Like right. it all came from other places. Mm-hmm. Um so then I guess to answer your first question yeah. is that it I'm generally drawn to um I really am I'm fascinated by the performance of gender um mm-hmm. and the performance of um of class mm-hmm. um and how all of that is so very put on mm-hmm. um and yeah like I I'm I guess in a way really heavily influenced by Jean Genet because mm-hmm. that's a lot of his work deals with that right yeah. because he was a, a gay man living in France at a time where that was illegal mm-hmm. and really hyper aware of the way people perform whatever their role in society is mm-hmm. um, and I find that fascinating yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so yeah that's often where the work will sit is some something to do sure. with those things interesting because like, we live in, at a time when people are, are essentially performing their lives all the time right? yeah all the time for yeah. the right Instagram posts or whatever yeah. and you can pay money yeah to places where you can go and get your picture taken yeah. to assist you in performing yeah. your life. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. yeah. So it's fascinating now to me because Dear Mama, mm-hmm. like I said, was written when my daughter was mm-hmm. seven. And it was short at the time because it was really like, does this even work? Like, mm. it's a it's a very strange piece structurally. Um, and so I wasn't even sure if it would work for mm-hmm. audiences. But it got really great feedback. But mm-hmm. then I kind of couched it for a little while because I was yeah. doing other things. Um, but now my daughter's 15. And so as she's been going through the middle school, early high school years, mm-hmm in a, like, a world that is so heavily influenced by, like, Snapchat and Instagram mm, and all of that, mm-hmm. I started to think, like, that the play just kind of kept bubbling up, and I was yeah. like, okay, I need to return to this. So I've mm. actually returned to it earlier this year. We've been working on mm. um, expanding it and really interrogating that mm-hmm. um, and how does that fit into the experience of being a young female who right. got all of these things. Like, it was already hard, yeah. and now you have to do it all publicly. Yes. You know? And so it, it's... Super, super interesting. Like, I love talking to my daughter about it because she's really, she's, like, strangely aware of it. Yeah. Um, And so we were talking one day when she first got to high school last year um, about Instagram and things like that. And Mm -hmm. she's a really, really high-level soccer player. 
So she has like her soccer Instagram that's, you know, for scouts to see mm-hmm. her, which she's very aware of. That's a performance of me as this. This is a product. It's so that I get this scholarship, yeah. right? Like that's, she's very aware of that. But then she also applied that same thing to, she's got an Instagram, like a personal account, but she's like, oh no, it has to be this way because otherwise they'll be like, what's wrong? Why are you doing that? Right. You yes. know, and there's yeah. like codes about mm-hmm. how to do mm-hmm. things and what to say and what to include and wow. what the look of your photos needs to be. And it's all this like, codified world that they wow. live in on top of the stuff that they were already dealing with. Yes. Yeah. So I find it, that is generally the, the space where I get really yeah. excited and riled up. <laughs> I, I, I do not envy these, these kids no. because I am thankful that I grew up at a time where my the high school years can largely be forgotten. That oh, any yeah. pictures <laughs> might be in a yearbook, but I don't own one from high school. Brilliant. I avoided that. And yeah. so nobody's ever going to be like, this was you in high school. Unless yes. Somebody was in high school and, and has a, a yearbook and they started sending them. But like, yeah. I can forget that. Yeah. And or like just selectively choose what, yes. like, okay, that's cool. But and, like the And mistakes. I can also be content to be like, uh, I hated high school and yeah. let's not revisit that. Yeah, we know? don't need yeah. to go back there. Yeah. So, but these, this is, the internet is forever. Even when you delete stuff, it's still there. Yeah. Like this is stuff that is like there. So that's like another, another layer on top of that, that I think they don't even realize quite yet. Yeah. I think, I think they, the, the current high school kids do to Mm. a much greater extent than the kids even like five or six years older than them. Well, if they're curating, like even their personal. It's so, Mm. they're so aware there's, mm. Which is funny because um, when we were working on Malvolio, mm. it, it's an aspect of the show that was there, but we didn't quite get to leverage as much just because of the audience who mm-hmm. happened to come. But we actually created a group chat on Instagram and the we performed, like Justin performed on Instagram, or not Instagram, sorry, Snapchat, mm-hmm. throughout the, um, the duration of the run. Um, because middle schoolers that's and high schoolers, that's the most important social media to them. Mm. And the reason mm-hmm. I believe is because it's, it's, uh, effervescent, right? Yeah. Like it disappears 24 yeah. hours and it's gone. Mm-hmm. So, and, and if someone takes a, a screenshot of it, they, they know yes. you get notified yeah. that there was a screenshot. Mm. And so we, we wanted to play with that sense yeah. of things. Mm. Um, and it, it worked like when my daughter came, she loved that part, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but, but a lot of like, obviously like a general theater going adult crowd is like Snapchat because they've all heard the like, Oh, that was 10 years ago or five years ago yes, thing. Yeah. But that's not the case. No. Like those kids live on Snapchat. Mm. They live on Snapchat. See, it seems for those of us who are not that age, the Snapchat is dying because we're not friends with. Yeah people who are yeah. of age that are using it yeah well and because companies tried to use it to leverage as a selling tool and like it was it's impl- not like the, for it's that. not a tool for that no it's like instagram works for that snapchat no yeah it's like no how to market yeah you know? yeah and that's why there's that perception like oh snapchat's dying yeah. no snapchat's dying because you can't sell things on yes. it it's not yeah. effective for that <laughs> but it's effective for a whole lot of other things mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, a dramaturgy is another thing yeah. that you're doing. And I'm curious about, because having studied errata, um, yeah. in England, they treat dramaturgy in a different way than we do <laughs> in Canada. Yes. Dramaturgy in England is like, here are the facts of the period of this thing. And here's, here's, you know, the history of, of this play and all of that stuff. And here, dramaturgy is like, how can we make this play better? 
Yeah, in England, it's actually both. Okay. Yeah, because there, there's a really heavy um, new writing culture in mm-hmm. the UK, right? So the dramaturge's role in new writing is very different than it is on old writing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually, like, st- when we were studying dramaturgy there, um, studied exactly that. Like, mm-hmm. we studied um, to a large extent with one dramaturgy uh, instructor who he focuses mostly on how do you bring new work Mm -hmm. to the stage. And so it was a lot of like, you know, how do you do all the research to make the appropriate cuts to Mm. put this play on stage right now? And how do you give the right package of information to your director or your Mm. actors or things like that? Um, And then we also studied with a playwright and dramaturge about new writing and how you Mm. dramaturge a new writing process and how you support that development Mm. and, you know, the structure and the integrity of the story and things like that. So we actually studied both, which was really cool. Um, I've had less opportunity to do the latter here, funnily enough. Um, Less opportunity to, like, develop plays? Yeah, yeah. Strangely. That's that's odd. But I've done, like, I've done both, but in Canada I've done more of the, you know, here's an old play, let's find a way to bring it to the stage or, like, like, let's figure out how it works kind of work Mm. than I have done um, new writing. Although Mm. I'm doing some new writing dramaturgy right now, so that's fun. (laughs) With somebody else, obviously. Yes. But yeah. 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 Not you my can, own. You can't idea. really dramaturg your own play. No, you really shouldn't. <laughs> I also don't think you should direct the first production of your own play. I really don't. No. I, I don't mean, think I've, you should. I've, I've done it out of necessity. Yes. But I don't think it would, because I found myself, especially for the first, since it was the first production of it, um, having to jump back into the head of the writer. Yeah. In a way that you don't, if you're. Not also directing? Yeah. Yeah, no, I I honestly don't. Because I think you learn so much about your writing Mm. from someone else's brain. Mm -hmm. You know? So I'm working, I'm actually dramaturging slash directing to one of them is both one mm. of them is just dramaturging uh, but the one that we're developing uh, it's called sweet mama and the salty muffins we've done a couple workshop we, we spent pieces. we actually spent like uh, a few nights in the spring in the same basement at the yes. alumni theater yes we did indeed <laughs> we were we were not i was not uh social at that time we weren't like friendly because a number of us were deathly ill and yeah. surviving on whatever drugs we could put into our I bodies to get through me. the show. We were trying to not be in the basement to catch whatever illness was going on. So that's it worked. absolutely fair. <laughs> we were like, what's the last minute we can fair. come down? Yes. Okay, good. That's, you yeah. did absolutely the right thing. <laughs> but yeah, so that, um, that script, <clears> um, <throat> there are so many things. And, and Kieran, the playwright, is <clears throat> so brilliant. <clears throat> Um, and there are so many things in that script that I'll say to him, like, hey, do you know this is here? Or, like, we'll be talking about something, and he'll ask me a question. I'm like, yeah, that's in there. And he's like, really? <laughs> we literally, just the other day, he was asking some questions. I was like, no, no, no. Like, that's, you, you already did that. Like, you don't need to overdo that. Mm. It's already in there. You're you're smarter than you think. Well, I mean, it's, it's always funny the things that, that the playwright misses that's yeah. in the work. Because they're not thinking about it as, as a director will later. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and that's... Um, there was something about the structure, like in the play, uh, one of the characters describes a concert because it's about mm-hmm. all this stuff that happened, this really mystical event that happens at a concert mm-hmm. um, and a little girl disappears. Um, and the one character describes the set that the band plays mm-hmm. as like starting off slow and then getting wild and crazy by the end. Mm-hmm. And the structure of the play does the inverse of that. And he did not notice that hmm. at all. Like, hmm. and there's songs in the play and the songs are in the inverse order to that. And I totally thought he'd done it on purpose because I was like, oh, that's so clever. <laughs> Look at you. And then he was asking something. I was like, you do know that it does this, right? <laughs> like, like it's got that like check of boil yeah. and then take it off the pot kind of hmm. 
uh, or off the element kind yeah. of a feeling. And he was like, I had no idea. <laughs> well, he didn't consciously. I'm yeah, just, it's like he one didn't of those consciously things that do he, it. That he did. And had no clue yeah. that he had done it. Yeah, and yeah. so many, like, that's why I love directing new writing is because there's always mm-hmm. so much stuff that the playwright is so much smarter than they even realize and it's all in there subconsciously and yeah. they, they don't know. And that's why, that's the real reason, I think, that if you've got a new play, like, I, I will never direct the first production of mm. one of my scripts. Ever, mm. ever. Because I don't, I, I know that there's stuff that I don't know and yeah. I know there's questions I am not going to ask myself because I like to think yourself. I'm that self-aware, yes. but I'm really yeah. not. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, like, you need an outside brain. You mm-hmm. totally need an outside brain just to tell you how great it is <laughs> and to help you see where the holes are that you're blind to. There, I mean, and that being blind to, to, to that stuff is, is only going to happen because it was never a con, a lot of times not a conscious choice. Yeah. I feel like when it is a conscious choice, it never feels quite right. It probably won't work. Yeah. Like when you're like, ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm if he if 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 Karen had said, I'm gonna do the inverse. Of oh, that, then it would have been it would have been like it yeah. wouldn't have worked. He would have <laughs> yeah. been like, you can't do that. But yeah. But instead he didn't know, and now yeah. it's like this beautiful symbiosis. And you're yeah. like, Yeah, oh, my mm. gosh, it's so gorgeous. And like an audience member pointed it out to us. So it's not just me that knows this. Yeah. <laughs> Someone came up to us after that reading and was like, Do you know that it does this? And it's mm. like, it's got this musical structure. And I was like, Yeah, you picked that up. <laughs> I picked that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so just to go back to Fringe for a second. Yeah. Where did I'm Malvolio come from for you? Like, where did where did you, were you first uh, exposed to it? Uh, well, while I was at RADA, um, Tim uh, Crouch came and spoke to us a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He was uh, really, really dear friends with a couple of our tutors. And mm-hmm. so he came in to talk to us about a variety of different things on all sorts of different occasions. Yeah. And is generally the nicest human I've ever encountered. He's so generous and mm-hmm. so lovely. Um, and I was just completely taken by mm-hmm. his place. Like everyone that I've read or heard about or anything, I was like, this is everything. Because mm-hmm. he just really plays with form and what performance is mm-hmm. and what the audience's role is. And every one of his plays does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just adored it. Um, and I was a little bit of a fangirl. Um, and then I got back to Winnipeg um, and I was teaching at Prairie Theatre Exchange School and I was teaching a, a really, really bright group of like 14 to 16 year old kids, mm-hmm. um, super bright. And I wanted to give them some work that would really challenge them. And so I knew that he had written all these TYA plays. I'd never mm-hmm. read any of them. So I just tweeted him and I was like, hey, Tim, you probably don't remember me. I met you at RADA, blah, 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 EFAS class. And he was like, send me a PM. And I was like, okay. So I sent him a message and I was like, hey, so I just want to know who your distributor is in Canada mm-hmm. um, so that I can order the plays through like my local McNally. And he was like, send me an email. And I was like, okay. So I sent him an email basically saying the same thing and like explaining what it was for and teaching these kids and everything. And instead of answering my question, he just sent me the PDFs to his entire catalog of like (laughs) six TYA shows. And I was like, so can I pay you? And he's like, no, no, it's, you're doing work with kids. I think that's amazing. I remember talking Mm. to you. I think it's brilliant. Nice. Go forth. And I was like, oh my gosh, who does that? Mm. Um, And so 
I, I worked on the shows with these kids and it was really great. It was so good for their brains because so much of it is like interactive and yes. improvised and um, just like not the way that you think about theater, especially mm. when you're like 15, 16, right? Like yes. you've probably been to, you know, whatever touring show, maybe yeah. like a big company. You've probably not seen really edgy avant-garde stuff. And so these kids were just like soaking it up. Yeah. Um, and then I just kind of left it alone for a little while and didn't really think about it. Um and then I had a really dear friend uh, who he and I wanted to do it. Um, mm. And so we were pitching it to some companies. And then at, just as those conversations started to heat up, we both moved here. Like he moved <laughs> to Stratford to work and I moved to Toronto okay, pretty yeah. much like yeah. in the same two week period. And so because we had just done uh, he and I did the Canadian premiere of Seawall by Simon mm -hmm. Stevens, which is a beautiful play. And we wanted to do another thing. So we were like, let's let's do a thing. And yeah. so we just started and then we found out we were both moving. So we're like, OK, I guess that's going to sit in our pocket. Um, and so then I sat on it and sat on it and I kind of like half-heartedly pitched it to some companies here, but it just wasn't, something just didn't feel right about right. it. Um, so then this, or in the fall when Ford got elected mm -hmm. and they started like all that whole kerfuffle about the healthy living curriculum. And yes. my daughter was in middle school. Like I know how great the old curriculum was. Right. Yeah. Um, like there's stuff that she knew at 13, 14, that I was like, oh my gosh, I wish someone had taught me that. Like, <laughs> oh, thanks. I had to learn that on the internet. Yeah. You know, and so much like really, really great stuff about like tolerance and understanding yeah. different lifestyles and consent and all this stuff that I was like, this is so freaking valuable. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly that play popped into my head, right? Mm. Because it it's Malvolio at the end of Twelfth Night, who has been he's the reason everyone had a good time, but he's had a really terrible time. Yes. Yeah, right. And so it yeah. questions what, what we do to others for us to have a good time and mm -hmm. what, what the result of that is on others. And the, the structure of the play really plays mm -hmm. with consent. Mm -hmm. So like we set it up in our production where at the beginning, like I would have, I had this massive speech about consent in the hallway and you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And you can leave if you want to, you can come back if you want to, like this whole big thing about like, you know, great big hug we're all consensual here and then you go into the room and the way the play is structured it just kind of lulls you in to participating right. and then suddenly you're participating and you don't realize it and then suddenly you're doing things that you're like hold on why am i holding a noose that this yeah. man has around his neck what am i doing mm. and it's so beautiful that way because then it really causes <clears throat> you to question mm -hmm. how you get swept along with things and yes, how mob yeah. mentality sweeps you along and so I was like, I have to do this play now. Mm. I have to. <laughs> um, and so uh, so Rod, the first actor, is still at Stratford <laughs> um, and directing stuff. And it wasn't going to be possible to work with him. And so uh, I approached another friend of mine, Justin Otto, who's a brilliant, brilliant actor, also from Winnipeg. We all just travel in packs. Of course. Um, <laughs> um, and so he, he was like the perfect choice for the script mm -hmm. because he... He's like a like a fully trained actor background, brilliant, really smart actor, um, but who's also studied, like he did the Second City Conservatory, so he studied improv. He's like a huge devotee to weird stand-up comedy, mm -hmm. and this mm -hmm. show is like sits in the middle of all those things. Nice. Um, and so he was just the perfect, perfect person. And mm -hmm. it was great because he was terrified, and he like he's like, this script tears, scares the crap out of me. It's a one-man show. I hate solo shows. I hate watching solo shows. <laughs> I hate doing solo shows. Hmm. And it's Shakespeare, and it's improvised, and it's audience participation. He's like, good, this terrifies me. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so then, yeah, that's nice. that's kind of why, yeah. And then that's why we put it in a school and yes. we did all that. And, and so Tim's... Um, his agent and everybody were so supportive. Like, mm -hmm. I, I've, like... 
you know, kind of had a really lovely relationship with him. Like, mm. we we talk all the time. And he, uh, when I wrote him and said, like, this is what's just happened here, and this is why I need to do this play mm. right now. And he's like, yes, you do. Here's mm. who you talk to. Tell them I sent you. Mm. Oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, nice. and so his agents were so supportive and lovely nice. and, like, yeah. so excited about it. And he was, like, helping us promote the show. Nice. And, like, when you have, like, a arguably one of the best playwrights on the planet right mm. now helping you promote your production of his show <clears throat> it's pretty help. awesome yeah it was pretty awesome yeah i'm yeah. thinking about 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 that show scaring the actor yeah and i kind of think a solo show should scare you i hope so it's because uh, yeah it's not a thing that we do no and also i saw pictures you didn't have like stage lights in that room there was nothing it's just it was a classroom him. yeah yeah so <laughs> no and, artifice in in my solo show, we spent a good like five minutes with the house lights up after the show started. Yeah, and there was a lot of like, I, there were you could sort of like watch people sort of like, is this gonna be a whole <laughs> show? Yeah, but we also you know put the lowered the the lights so slowly that people didn't realize until it was already dark. Mm. But like seeing people is something that we as actors are not usually comfortable yes. with. Much less interacting with much, them. Much less interacting yeah. with them. Yeah, and improvising yeah. with them and staying mm-hmm. on the thread of the script, which mm-hmm. is circular mm-hmm. and ranty, while also improvising with the people in the room who are encouraged to heckle you. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Wow. Good that's, and terrifying. That's, that's something, yeah. Yeah, like, honestly, yeah. any review that talked about, like, what a, like, masterful performance mm-hmm. it was from him is, like only the tip of the iceberg yeah. like the the level of detail in that work was so yeah. beautiful so beautiful audience participation is hard to get people to do too i it mean there's sure a reason is. there's a reason why <laughs> like the fringe has a audience participation warning because some people yeah. will like completely like no bow to that yeah you know? well but that's the beauty of the way um this script is structured mm-hmm. and also the way we did it because we, again we talked about consent really heavily up front and then um Everyone comes into the room and he starts asking rhetorical questions, mm-hmm. right? So the the performer doesn't see the audience right away. So it, it almost just feels like you're voyeuring into watching mm. someone's rehearsal process. Mm. And like his script was sitting on the floor. His water bottle was sitting on the floor like you were watching him rehearse. Right. Or so you thought, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And then and so he starts asking rhetorical questions. And what's really lovely is that um, in the script, it just repeats. And you can wait for them to answer, like, you can literally just wait until someone answers or just keep asking the question. Right. So the audience, it's this really weird thing it does to the audience because at once they feel, oh, I'm protected because mm-hmm. he doesn't see me. But and I, so I'm free to vocalize. Yeah. And then there's this moment in the script where um, it's about like, I don't know, like 10, 15 minutes in where he then really sees the people and then starts interrogating them mm. and then walks out of the room. And and so then they're left sitting there. And what was most exciting every single night, it almost, almost every night it happened is that, um, because he leaves and he's like, I want you to everything and everyone to be exactly where I left it. Kind of like a substitute teacher, right? Like leaving the room. And he leaves the room. We close the door, and he and I would be standing in the hallway giggling because you would hear everyone like moving furniture. <laughs> they would steal props. They would move his stuff. Like ev- all of a sudden, we like because just like the whole buildup of everything, right? Mm. Like coming into the school building, giving people their papers, yeah. scolding them for no pencil. They go in, and this weird man rants at them, and then they get lectured about how to behave. Suddenly, they're all middle schoolers. Right. It yes. was crazy. Like every single time, and I was like, okay, it worked. 
worked because like I was more than a little terrified that no one was going to do the things we needed them to do. And so we had rehearsed it. So many of our rehearsals was basically just Justin reading the play and us talking through. Okay, so this kind of thing could happen. And then if they do this, then you can do this. And then if they do this, you can do this and just be prepared that they might do this and they might not do that. And like so much like we were just playing out every scenario known to humankind was mostly our rehearsal process. And then we rehearsed it with like um, my assistant director and our stage manager. And we mostly we rehearsed it a lot in my flat. Mm -hmm. So like my daughter was around, my husband would come in. So like we had this sense of like people coming in and out of the space a lot to Mm -hmm. help him like really be locked in and able to deal with chaos around him Mm -hmm. because it the play is chaos. Yeah. It's complete chaos. Right. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) It was fun. It was super fun. It's probably one of the things I've directed that I'm most proud of. Hmm. Like it it was chaos and it kind of worked, I think. Well, I, th- I, mean, I think, I mean, in theory. I mean, I think that, that, that the reviews were good. People, yeah. People enjoyed it. And, yeah. And, and you had people coming out to it, which is really all you can really hope for. With the right. That's show, all right? one can hope for. Yeah. It's like, you yeah. know, at least 10 people a night and a nice, some nice things with your name beside them. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> that is what Absolutely. we do. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it was, it was really, really cool. Yeah. We got some really wonderful feedback and mm. yeah, it was great. And from people who, um, like wouldn't necessarily normally come to a play if at all and then yeah well and then like you know like co-workers like Justin mm. works at a bar and like a bunch of his co-workers yes, yeah. came and you know people I work with in my day job and like people who wouldn't necessarily come to that sort of thing right. and I love I love making theater for people who don't think theater is for them that's you know? very true that's I love it true. so much I think that we need to do more of that because yeah. so many people do think that theater is not for oh them. yeah most you of know? my yeah. friends outside of my theater friends yeah. don't think that theater is for them and like my goal every time I make a show is to make them want to come and if they yeah. don't want to come sit through it and tell me that was the best thing they've ever done then I haven't done my job yeah you know like yeah. and, and le- legitimately not because you're my friend but because you legitimately were like that was so cool yeah you yeah. know, and that that's what I set out to do, mm. you know, every single time is like make something that makes those people want to do that again. Yeah. You know? Not the people who are going to go to, you know, Soul Pepper or whatever no. anyway, because they're going to go anyway. They're going to go anyway. Yeah. And, and I think that that in a lot of cases, sometimes the people who think that theater is not for them, like there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Like they've I mean, they saw a play once and they didn't like it yeah. or 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 they didn't like it and people treated them like. But you should have because it's whatever, right? right? Yeah. But we start people off so early hating theater by by teaching Shakespeare the way that we do. Yes. And making them see things that aren't interesting to them and that are boring and stodgy. Like, honestly, I remember saying this to a student once and it's not entirely untrue because I was teaching. um, It was one of those like school, um, like work placement kind of programs. And these kids got to come learn about what jobs in the theater Mm. are like. Um, and there was this one kid who, like, clearly had requested something cooler and got sorted into theater. And he did not want to be there. Right. And so we were going around talking about, like, you know, have you ever been to the theater? Did you like it? Did you not mm-hmm. like it? What do you think about it? Like, and so some of them were like, oh, my gosh, I go to every musical. Blah, blah. And some yeah. of them were like, I hate this. And I'm here because I have to be. And I'm getting a school credit. Um, and the funny thing is, is that those are the kids that I was, like, most drawn to. Sure. And I, I said to them, like, honestly... I make theater because I think I don't like most of the theater I see. And that's totally... Yeah. And not because of, like, the work or what have you. Like, I respect all of that. But there, I regularly leave thinking, like, eh, I wish I wish that. Or I wish that. And that's yeah. why I make it. Because I like to try to do the thing that I feel is missing. Yeah. And not to say that it doesn't all serve a purpose, right? Like, no. I don't love watching Mamma Mia, but I know it serves a purpose. Yeah. 
you know. But it's funny because the, those those kids, they come out of school thinking that theater is Shakespeare or theater yeah. is the Shaw Festival. And, yeah. And 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 that's boring. Yeah. Schools that want to kids, if if only schools wanted kids to like see theater, yeah, should take them to more indie stuff. Oh my gosh! Right? Well, and and that's just like the cultural thing in in the UK. Like mm. this show, which some adults were like, "Oh, that's a little risque." He stood on a chair with a noose around his neck. That was performed for children, yeah. like twelve, mm. a gymnasium full of twelve-year-olds mm. in Brighton, and right. that's totally normal. <laughs> And and the kids love it. Mm-hmm. They eat yeah. it up. It's silly. It's goofy. But it also makes them think about stuff. Yeah, you know. And yeah. so it's it's funny to me how like I joked that like you know this is a kids play in England. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're puritanical here in Canada. We can't yeah. show this play to children. Yeah, we only we had a handful of people bring their kids. The kids who came loved it. Like mm. teenagers, yeah. they adored yeah. it. There was this one kid there opening night. Oh my gosh, he was such a doll. He had this big grin on his face the whole time. How old was he? Probably like 12 or 13. He was there with his dad and he just loved it. Because it's silly and goofy and messy and Mm -hmm. makes fart jokes every five seconds. (laughs) You know? And it's so fun. And Mm -hmm. the kid's like, this is great. Give me more. Yes. Yeah. Which is kind of the reaction you want when you're taking kids to the theater, not how how much longer do I have to sit here? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And what do you, are you, aside from uh, uh, your, Aside from, from, from Dear Mama, is there something else that you're working on or is that sort of... I'm just developing a bunch of stuff right yeah. now. So, yeah, I'm now that Fringe is in, I'm going to return to Dear Mama. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of like had to couch it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that that's kind of in the works. Yeah. I'm hoping to get the longer version up next summer. And then um, we're doing develop work on Sweet Mama and the Salty mm-hmm. Muffins. Mm-hmm. So that's fun and exciting and kind of terrifying because it's it's a play, but also like a music concert. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been fun. Yeah. Um, I'm really fortunate. My husband's a musician. So and I have a lot of really good friends who are musicians. So I've just kind of like pulled them in and been like, hey, you're an amazing fiddler. Want to help us with this? Hey, you want to <laughs> help us with it? We need to write a song. Yeah. I don't know how to write a song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's been really cool. Nice. Um, and what was cool about that is that I got to pull in a lot of my friends who are great actors who I wouldn't always get to work with just because of the kinds of roles Mm -hmm. Um, and because I needed actors who could play instruments and sing and like help me create music because like I we need that yeah yeah so it was super cool I got to pull in some really really cool brains to it awesome Um, and then I'm dramaturging um, for a show that's going up at alumni this fall it's called Grief Circus okay um, by a playwright named Crystal Wood Mm -hmm. it's super cool it's actually a play I've been connected to for a strangely long time it's one of the Back at that festival with that director who told me that I'm actually a director. Yes, yeah. She, for a couple of years, gave me this really an awesome opportunity to direct um, the plays that had been shortlisted for her festival but didn't get a full production. And so I got to pull, like, little snippets out, mm. cast, like, four actors to read all the parts. And we would do, like, little readings between the main stage productions right. in the side room, mm. um, which was really, really cool. Like, it really just, like, helped me do all sorts of stuff that yeah. I needed to figure out because I hadn't properly studied directing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so that uh, one of those plays was Grief Circus. Like, mm. I don't even know how long ago. A long, long time ago, like five, six years ago. Um, and so then, and I'd always loved that play. And mm. I was like, oh, what? it's just such a cool play. It's about this girl whose sister um, disappears and then is found dead. And it's about her younger sister who has to now live in the world of YouTube and Facebook and stuff with a sister who is found dead um, and after a party. 
Right. Right. And so it and it's about like, you know, what happens to her life and what happens to like the the her sister's existence and how that blows up into mm. a media entity as opposed to just being her sister. And mm. it's super, super like really, really cool stuff and so timely. Yeah. Um and so yeah, I like I've had that play like kind of in my guts for a little while and I almost directed a production of it a couple of years ago. <laughs> Didn't work out. Um, and then when Crystal came to me, she's like, listen, it's going to be up at Alumni, and I would mm. love for you to dramaturge it. And I was nice. like, yes, yes, please bring me in. I, nice. I love this play. Awesome. So it goes up in November. Okay. It's part of the Fireworks Festival. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Great. It's super cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It's been a great oh, conversation. thank you. It's been super fun. This has been a Homebody Productions production.